The acoustics of the voice is probably one of the coolest yet most unknown parts of our voice. Check out this chat with me and my mentor Tyler, where we talk about the acoustics and how we can practically apply this to your voice. Hope you enjoy. Um, I guess the first question, Tyler, maybe I guess a bit about yourself. You've got a crazy voice, extremely crazy high notes. Were you always able to do that? No, definitely not. <laughs> um, not at all. I mean, I, I got to find some of my old clips uh, when I first started singing. I remember when I was 17 years old, and that's kind of really, I'm 31 now, okay? I'm getting old. But Pretty I remember, old. hey, watch it. Um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember hearing this guy, his name's Jared Anderson. He's a church singer. And it was like, it was this one song, it's called, I still remember, it's called Ready Now. And in the bridge, all of a sudden, he went up from like this kind of normal chest voice that I've been mm. used to hearing my whole life, um, to going to this crazy, like high notes. And I was like, what the heck is that voice? Like, what is that voice? I like that yeah. sound. Like, it just sounded good. And, you know, later, I, now I know it was, he was going to a mixed voice. And, um, and anyways, I, I was, I became obsessed. I'm like, what is that voice? And, you know, then now looking back on my life, my dad, this is, this is when we, when I was younger, we had tapes still in the car, right? And we would always <laughs> be driving around listening to the police, right? And so the police yeah. sting, right? Was the singer. And, you know, if you want to hear amazing high notes, listen to sting and so i do think it's kind of funny though as as a kid that those were the singers that i did listen to mm. and so i just i was drawn to that type of singing and when i tried to do it i couldn't do it <laughs> couldn't do it yeah <laughs> i like couldn't do it i'd pull my voice up and i uh, i'd shout and i'd feel like i was lifting weights and singing was not fun like that and so that kind of started me on this whole journey um, that has now led me to, you know, be a, a vocal coach myself. Mm. Um, and so, mind if you just, I guess, quickly guide us through being able, not able to sing those notes to now where you are now. So, what was that kind of broad journey? What did it look like for you? Yeah. So, um, I started taking lessons. Well, let me back up. Before I ever started taking lessons, I bought a couple like books and a couple uh, programs. The first book yes. I ever bought was called Sing Like the Stars, I think. No, no, no. It was the Seth Riggs, something Seth like Seth Riggs, yeah. Singing Like the Stars, right? And I had no idea who Seth, <laughs> Seth Riggs was, right? Um, yeah. and, and even like in his introduction, you know, he talks about, I work with Michael Jackson. I was just like, okay, whatever, you know, who cares? <laughs> I want to, <laughs> as a teenager, right? And so I started doing these, these exercises, like one of the ones is the lip trills. And I started doing that all the time. And I was in a band at the time. Amazing. And I remember at, after our show, I had been doing this. Everyone came up. They said, hey, man, what are you doing? Your voice sounds so much better. And I'm not kidding. Wow, like, I'd be on the side of the stage with the guys who are getting up to play next, loading on their gear. And I'm showing them, well, I, do, I promise it's so dumb, but I'm doing this like silly exercise, right? So anyways, kind of started dabbling with that, not getting the progress that I really wanted, though. 
And I started looking on YouTube and uh, online like a lot of us do. And I found this guy, you know, after going through several coaches and whatnot, I found this guy named Brett Manning and his program, Singing Success, right? Now, regardless of what people on the internet say about him, if you look him up, there's a lot of haters. But let me just say this. Absolutely. Brett is is an unbelievable vocal coach, and and if it was not him, I would not be the coach or the singer I am today. So I just have to say that um, before I go on. But I ended up, um, you know, long story short, I ended up becoming one of uh, Singing Success's certified coaches. I went through their program out in Nashville, and shortly after that, I ended up working out of their studio, and. Um, in uh, in the Nashville area, and right off of Music Row, actually, and uh, it, this was a good thing and a bad thing. My schedule filled up really quick, really nice. quick. Huh. Yeah, is that the good well, thing? <laughs> it's a good thing and a bad thing because what happened was I was starting to make decent money, <laughs> but my yes. voice was starting to take pay a price to teach that oh, much. Yeah, I was yeah. teaching about eight hours a day. Um, mm. very, very quickly. And you do that Monday through Friday. I mean, that's tough. Like that was very, very tough for me. That is tough. Yeah. And going through that, I started to say, you know, like there must be more things I don't know yet. And, and mind you at this time, I was working with some pretty big people. Okay. And, yeah. and I was uh, working with, uh, you know, lots and lots of artists around the world, um, and singers around the world. Um, and I was, I was dying inside because I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm working with these people and I'm, I'm helping them. But like, man, my voice is killing me. Right. Just from the fatigue. And I started to get obsessed again with like, there must be something I don't know. And so something the, answer, I haven't figured out, yeah. the answer is, is, you know, really without going on and on about this is I realize about myself and we talk about this all the time. You and I mm. deliberate practice. Deliberate practice, deliberate yes. practice and never I, I just I I'm endlessly fascinated by the human voice. Um, there's just always more to learn, you know, and I think there like, there's always more to learn. And there's always like, OK, I can hit this high note. But what about that low note? You know, like I want to be able to hit that well um, or whatever. Right. And there's just there's so many things in, in terms of like style. And singing with with emotion, like what is that? What is really singing with emotion? Mm. Rhythm, right? Having good rhythm, singing in the pocket, right? All these things. Uh, it's just you you cannot uh, learn enough about this instrument that we have. By the way, team, I've actually got some really really exciting news. If you're looking to improve your voice and you're looking to fast track it. I've actually built a new course called The Fundamentals of Learning How to Sing. And this is where I basically break down step-by-step how I've built over an octave of range. I'm able to hit some of the notes that I'd never thought I'd used to be able to hit, sing some of the songs that I've always wanted to, and do it in a way that actually sounds good in them too. And so in this course, I share very, very timeless kind of fundamentals, which means, you know, whether you're a beginner or whether you're someone who has got a bit of experience under the belt, these are concepts you can use again and again and again to improve your voice. Then I also share a routine which allows you to execute on all of this and build your voice in less than 15 minutes per day. So you can sing the songs that you've always wanted to sing. And so if you're open to more details, check out the link in the description. And I also pop in a special code. So when you check out, you can get a special price just because you've been checking out the show. I completely agree. I mean, um, 
a lot of times, I guess I have beginner singers come up to me and they're like, what routine can I do day in, day out to really improve my voice? And the kind of answer is, um, unfortunately, there isn't one. You kind of need to keep switching things up to get to where you want. Uh, where you are now won't be where you are in the future. So Definitely. I completely agree with that. Well, actually, one of the most interesting things that I've learned from you, Tyler, um, and something that a lot of people should kind of deliberately practice is understanding the acoustics of the voice. So um, performance and harmonics, that has been something that's really changed the way that I've seen the voice. Yeah. And you probably explain it way better than I can. So why is it important? <laughs> why is it important for someone to know about like the acoustics of the voice? And for someone who's just starting out, what's a simple way for them to kind of improve their voice, like a simple practice thing they can do? Okay. So that's a really good question. And I will say this. It's not it's not always important for an artist or someone who's just a singer to completely understand this mm. to the level that we go into it. Yeah. Yeah. But if they can have just enough of an understanding to where they can go from their chest voice, or sometimes we call it voce aperta, which is Italian, right? For mm -hmm. open timbre, right? Open timbre. Yeah. To go from that voice. Well, let's classify, right? We have the, the open timbre or chest voice. It's the same thing. We have head voice, which now some people are calling whoop timbre. Mm. It's that sound, right? When you're yes. whooping. Or if you say woo at, at a ball game, right? Whoop timbre. I like it because it's descriptive of what it sounds like. Exactly, yeah. Head voice, I still, of course, I still call it that. It's not descriptive of what it sounds like. It's descriptive of what people experienced it as. So I'm still fine with that as well. Um, we're trying to get... You know, there's the terminology game. We're not even going to go there. But, okay, so go from chest voice to head voice. But most people can do that. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing in the middle, right? The clunk in the middle. The clunk in the middle, which we, you know, if you see me on YouTube, you'll see I call it mixed voice. But in private sessions, I've been more and more so calling it uh, a closed timbre, right? Yes. Or um, cusa, right? Voce cusa is the Italian term. And so or these form terms, two singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so, so you know, going from open timbre as a male singer, actually women too, because a lot of the classical terminology is referring women as all like like sopranos, and they're not when they sing uh, pop music. I exactly. Trained, yeah. I trained women singers at like tenors. <laughs> Um, because they're, they're singing, we're all singing the same when we're singing commercial music, to be honest mm, with you. Mm, mm. And in pop music, uh, it's not that we want to just sing in mixed voice. We want to be able to sing in all of them, right? All the voices. Mixed voice is the hardest one, though. Yes. That's why we spend a lot of time on it. So there, you know, you learn that. It's like, oh, cool, right? And then there's people who talk about, yes, it goes from your chest up into the middle of your face and then up to your head. The problem with that is that's somebody else's experience. And you may or may not experience your voice that way. Exactly, so yeah. Formants and harmonics are, are a way, an accurate, a very accurate way to, to legitimately see what you're doing. And it's very complicated at first, and especially if you read literature on it without seeing it in action. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get a, a simple program like the is still voice print where you can, you know, click mm-hmm. on the power spectrum view, if nobody knows this, it's going to be confusing, but that's okay. Stay with us. Um, and you can see the harmonics and the formants and how they interact with each other. So mm. I know we don't want to go on and on forever, but can I give a quick explanation on what har- harmonics and formants are? Well, I'm definitely into it. I mean, this is what I love to talk about. So Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to make it brief and not bore uh, everybody. But I know for me, like I was like, wait, this seems really important. You know, when I was struggling myself, I mm. bought Ken Bozeman's book, Practical Vocal Acoustics. I'm like, maybe there's something in here that can help me. And I read yeah. it, and I'm like, this seems really interesting, but I am very confused. I am. <laughs> yes. and, and this was back in like 2014, um, because, uh, yeah, 2014 or 2015, sometime around there, when it first came out. Um, and I just, because I never saw a spectrogram. And so that type of terminology, uh, it would be like, you know, talking about a car engine without ever had seen, uh, seen one, right? But if exactly, you know yeah. what a car engine looks like and you know where the windshield wiper stuff goes, someone starts talking about that. You're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But if you've never seen it before, it's very confusing. And that's how mm-hmm. formants and harmonics are. So, yes, you know, fast forward a little bit of time. I finally got a spectrogram and I saw it. And, you know, I always heard, you know, vocicusa is when the second harmonic rises above pitch of the first formant. And I'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a sec. And I'm like, okay, great. How do you quantify that? Well, if you can see it, you can actually see it happen, right? We can see it happen in the uh, the power spectrum view or, or in any spectrogram. It doesn't have to be a power spectrum view. You can see this happen. And when that that's a predictable thing that happens in not just my voice, not just your voice. We can see it in uh, you know amazing singers like, Luciano Pavarotti, right? He would do it that mm. way. In, in fact, this is what the great tenors would do when the voice uh, would, quote-unquote, turn over, or you hear that little timbral shift. And later on, now, when I think about Jared Anderson, this interesting full timbre, but it's not as blatant as like a chest voice, pulled-up chest voice would be. It's, it's yeah. a little less direct. It's a little... Not darker in a bad way, but it, it is slightly darker, which is why we call it vocicusa, right? Because you yeah. hear like a slight timbral difference in it, okay? So um, once I saw it, it was completely game-changing for me. And then, of course, you know, everyone I'm working with. Uh, exactly, yeah. And the thing is, like, I feel like I have to defend it. Like, hey, you don't have to know... Everybody there there has maybe been one person who's like, hey, I don't really want to see that. Everybody else that I work with is like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. I had no idea. Exactly. It's like going to like an NFL game. Would you like that helmet or not? That yeah. piece of equipment that can help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Totally. And and it is absolutely like I felt like, you know, I kind of always felt like I was singing in the blind. If, if so. To speak. Yeah. Not to be offensive if out there, but. Um, I just, you know, I would just go for it, give it the energy I, it needed, and sometimes it would feel awesome, and sometimes it wouldn't, you know? Mm. And now that, I'm, that I can see what I'm doing, and of course you start to memorize those sensations, you know when you're doing it or when you're not. Exactly. Now, let's talk about what is harmonics and formats. I'll go quickly here. So harmonics, if you... Uh, every every sound 
right? Like if I clap my hands, if I play my piano, guitar, everything kind of functions in this. It, it's measured in the same way, okay? Mm. In harmon, they all have a set of harmonics and and uh, informants that then amplify them or fil filter them really, and mm. then that creates the sound that we hear. So harmonics, if you've ever heard a sine wave, which I don't have one on this piano, but a sine wave is like that. Beep. This is a test of emergency broadcast system, right? <laughs> yeah. That sound, that's a sine wave. That was perfect. Yes. Or if I a head voice sounds very sine wave like, right? Mm. And we do a, a head voice in a spectrogram, it looks a whole lot like a sine wave, mm, okay? Mm. Now, those sine waves, uh, you can start stacking them on top of each other. Um, and, I mean, I could play something from Voce Vista. No, that won't work because I got headphones. Never mind. Um, yeah, yeah but, but you essentially, they're all multiples of the fundamental pitch, okay? Mm. Uh, so there's just, there's, thousands of them like really like they're so depending on what you're doing uh, depending on the instrument but in the voice when we sing in chest voice we create a whole lot of harmonics so what creates the harmonics the vocal cords do mm. so the vocal cords come together and they vi and they vibrate they beat together hundreds of times per second possibly even thousands of times per second depending on the pitch well each pitch is not just one tone, right? One tone is thousands of tones stacked on top of each other. Yeah. Which is so bizarre if you've never been introduced to that concept before. But then those harmonics are created by the vocal cords, and then they travel through your throat and your mouth, essentially. Or we call it the vocal tract, where the sound is uh, shaped. And that's how... Mm. That's how you sound like you, and I sound like me. And honestly, everybody is, everybody's voice is, is a unique thumbprint. Like, there is no one voice that is the exact same. Exactly. Which is really cool. Um, so, and, and that's not to say you're all special, okay? Don't you dare think I'm <laughs> saying that. What I'm saying is you're all different. And different. that is the problem. Because you're all so, because we're all so unique and different, we need a terminology and, and, and a method, let me say that, and mm. a pedagogical approach that allows our differences to achieve a similar result. Yes. Which is beautiful singing, great singing. Yeah. And we know, we find that people who sing great do it a very specific way. It's not this, it's not this different thing all the time. It's actually very much so the same. I mean, mm. you can find this in guitar players and pianists. There's always going to be slight modifications. But watch John Mayer and watch Stevie Ray Vaughan. He learned mm. a lot from Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? And, of course, he's his own animal now. But um, success leaves clues, right? And it certainly yeah. does in the voice as well. So then if I, you, I don't, are you going to post a video or just audio? Uh, I could be, I could be doing both. So. Well, so, you know, if, if none of you can see me, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be flicking the side of my throat here. Okay. So <laughs> if I thump the side of my throat and I go, you hear that little tone. Mm. Now, if I change the vowels, I'll just say, ah, eh, e, o, u, you'll hear that pitch change. Right. Mm -hmm. You hear it change on each of those. Now that's the first format. Okay. So we have more than that. 
Um, but we, we more so associate the larynx, which is what I'm thumping with my uh, finger right now. Um, don't do this hard if anybody yeah. tries this. And you also have to be holding your breath while you do it because uh, otherwise you won't make any sound. Um, so uh, that pitch changes. Now, that's the first format. Now, it gets so complex and so deep. But what I've realized is in terms of registration, you can really focus a lot on the first format and the second format. Mm-hmm. And just the first couple harmonics. I mean, maybe yeah. the first five, right? And uh, there's a very specific thing that happens, and we call it, uh, Ivan and I, we, we call it second formant tuning, right? Mm. And when you're in your chest voice, that first formant will create the main boost of energy in your sound. If you keep trying to do that all the way up your range, at the middle of your range of the top notes, you will yell. Yeah. You will track and you will yell. If you allow, and the way you do that is your larynx goes up and you shorten the vocal tract to track that pitch of the yeah, second. Just to boost okay. that specific pitch, yeah. To boost that specific pitch. And when you start to see it, you realize like, oh, that's not really efficient. Like that's mm-hmm. not a very efficient use of my of my resonances because you could not move them and just allow the second one to stay where it is and it will take over the dominant boost. Mm, exactly. Which is what we do for mixed voice. So we allow, we don't chase harmonics essentially is what is the moral <laughs> of the story. Don't chase harmonics with your first format. Let them pass through mm. until you reach closed timbre or mixed voice, right? Now, Mixed voice is a real thing, okay? Because there is a interaction between the harmonics and the vocal tract, and and it, it's called impedance matching, and how they in, interact with the source or your vocal cords. Mm. If you take that second harmonic too high with the first formant, it will start to cancel out the. Um, it, it will be the wrong impedance match. And so mm. it will start to cancel out the vocal cords and, and literally they won't vibrate. And so your brain is smart and you're like, well, hey, I can't make sound without vib- vibrating my vocal cords. So what do we start to do? Push. Push, yeah. Squeeze. Raise the larynx even more. Spread the mouth. Increase all this pressure. And you don't have to do that. You exactly. can just... You can allow the resonances to shift, and car mufflers work the same way, by the way. Every, anybody who designs a muffler for a car understands how certain uh, formants work and how they interact, mm. and they, they're very smart with it because they don't want them to be loud in the car, right? So they, yeah, they try to engineer it in the same way, and it's a tube. I mean, every, any kind of tube functions on the same, uh, essentially the same uh, acoustic science that we do. Right. Yeah. And our vocal tract is no more than just a, a fancy tube that can fancy tube. <laughs> change its shape. Um, it's, it's really interesting. But hopefully that makes sense. It, it makes way more sense when you see it. Mm. And if uh, Ivan is very, very skilled in this. So if anybody out there needs help with this, Ivan, I have full confidence that Ivan can help you with that. <laughs> Of course, I, I teach it with everyone I work with. Um, but the, the, the point is, like, get around people who understand this, who, who know what they're talking about. Read good books on it. Ken Bozeman has some good books on it. Don, Donald Miller, 
was the one who really started talking about the second format, and he analyzed mm. uh, his book Resonance on Singing. Did you get that one yet? I may have. What's it called again? Yeah, Resonance in Singing by Donald Resonance Miller. I may. I, I actually do not remember. Yeah, I've got uh, well, quite a few well, books from you. Reading <laughs> so many books. Um, cool. And see, that's the thing. I mean, there's so much good information out there that, yeah. you know, just take a di- take a take a take a dive into it and and start immersing yourself into the the information. I mean, Donald Miller spent his entire life gathering that information. You could read that entire book in one day and have access to this man's entire wealth of knowledge, right? Doesn't exactly. mean you're going to understand it in one day. Um, yeah. But there is so much good information out there in books. You just n- need to know where to find them. Exactly. And I think one thing that I've kind of taken away from all of this is the reason why acoustics and understanding can be quite important is it gives you kind of this objective way of defining your sound because versus relying on it feels like this, it feels like that, it feels like yes. this. The tools that we've got nowadays allow you to track your sound and analyze it so you know, hang on, I'm doing this correctly, I'm right. not doing this correctly, and right. then you make adjustments through that. So that's crazy. You get them to make the right sound. When I say them, you know, the, the client you're working with, your student, mm. or yourself, you make the right sound, and then you say, how does that feel? And, exactly. and the, the thing with uh, we know... And we know we learn by mental structures. There's a reason imagery exists. We also know that somebody else's mental structures are probably not going to work as good for us. Like this is, Mm. uh, you know, read the book Peak. Or there's another book, Talent is Overrated. I mean, they've done scientific studies on this, that masters and their craft, from chess players to golfers, Mm. singers to violin players, we all function off these um, mental structures. And the best way to do it, though, is to create your own. Mm. So, you know, um, yeah. So, so make the right sound and you decide how that feels for yourself. I think that's the most important thing. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's been an amazing kind of spiel on the acoustics of the voice. Um, before we kind of wrap up, Tyler, um, what's one action that someone from the audience can take to really get into this? Ooh, can I give two? One. two? Can I yep. give two actions? The number of the the number one thing somebody should do if they're really and I mean this with all my heart, if they really want to learn to sing, like take vocal lessons. <laughs> <laughs> take vocal lessons. My gosh, like find spend time and and find the right teacher. Okay? Find someone who teaches in a way that you want to sing and my gosh, invest some money into that. Mm, exactly and and look here's the thing when you do that you're investing money into yourself and you're investing money into your voice and you know you and i have talked about this exactly you don't want to mess around with the voice like the voice is one thing that you can actually really injure right so you you do gotta you you know don't mess around when you're doing squats and deadlifts you can seriously hurt your back you can seriously hurt your knees if you do it wrong if you get a personal trainer to show you, hey, your knees are coming in, they can fix your squat or your deadlift for life, and you can continue to get stronger and, and develop good movements for a lifetime. And that's what we do in vocal coaching. So the number one thing is invest in some vocal lessons. Um, mm. Number two, I mean, find some good people on YouTube because there is good content out there on YouTube. 
and subscribe to them and and find them on Facebook, find them on Instagram, right? There's a there's a whole wealth of knowledge out there online that you certainly should be taking advantage of. So those are the two things I'd say. Well, where can we find you on say YouTube, Facebook, yeah. Oh, yeah. Instagram? Yep. So type in Tyler Wysong on YouTube and you'll find me on there. Tyler Wysong method. Um, and then Instagram, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, yep, just Tyler Wysong and Facebook as well. I have a private Facebook group, uh, Tyler Wysong method on Facebook. Um, it's totally free, at least for the time being. And, you know, we do some fun stuff in there. Um, yeah, just type in Tyler Wysong everywhere and you'll, you'll find me. Cool. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate your time, Tyler. It's crazy, the stuff you know. Um, and a lot of it's just immensely helpful for when I first started seeing, when I first started taking lessons with you, a lot of that stuff has really been a game changer. So I hope we can kind of continue to add value to people listening to this podcast. Um, maybe if I post this on YouTube as well, I hope this helps them. Yeah. And I, I, I just have to acknowledge you, man. Like you are taking this stuff that you're learning and not being selfish with it. You're taking mm -hmm. it and showing because it was a tough experience for you at first, right? Learning to yeah. sing, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, there is a way. I can there do is this. A way. Yeah, and I can get better, like a lot better, and I can sing a lot higher than you thought possible, right? Mm. And now you're you're you know what you're doing for other people is you're giving them courage by encouraging them. You're instilling courage into them to go for it. Because, you know, I, I've just started saying this. The voice's number one per, uh, um, job, is the vocal cord's number one job, is not actually to sing. It's to protect you mm. <laughs> from choking, right? Yeah. But the paradox of the situation is your heart wants to sing. 